0: to Mind the Millennial Gap. My name is Chris and I'm an elder millennial.
1: And my name is Jillian and I'm a younger millennial.
0: And together we chat about topics uh, from our different points of view of millennialism.
1: Yay!
0: What are we doing today, Gigi?
1: <gasps> we have a fun episode coming up today. Um, I have not told Chris what the topic is. Chris, do you have any guesses though? Have I said anything throughout the week that would make you think something? No, you've been
0: poking me the last three days and be like, do you want to guess? Do you want to guess? Do you want to (laughs) guess? I have no clue. I don't even know like (laughs) where to even start guessing to narrow it down. Mm,
1: It is. it. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, Today we're going to be talking about millennials and pets.
0: And pets?
1: And pets. Wow.
0: (laughs) I can't wait for this.
1: I know. It was like very fascinating. Um, And this idea, like it was on our list of things to do eventually, but I saw a TikTok this week um, just talking about doggos. And I was like, oh, remember when we are all saying doggos and pupper? I still say pupper. Um, And just how millennial that was of us, kind of like 2012 millennial of us it was when we were obsessed with chevron and mustaches and... That and, and Rar Rar XD. Wow,
0: <laughs> I'm so. I mean, I don't want to like get too too sideways, but like,
1: <laughs> what even
0: qualifies as a millennial pet?
1: Oh man, well, this it's so much, so much does. Can you? What are your observations about millennials and pets?
0: Um, I think we've had a conversation about this uh in the last couple of years where. Pets are replacing uh, children as family members in a millennial household. I know that uh, COVID pets got a big Mm -hmm. boost and uh, some of those COVID pets have new homes than they originated in during the pandemic. And so I think um, the pet industry is probably, I'm sorry, pet accessory or pet service industry it's probably bigger now than I've ever seen it in my <laughs> lifetime. I know I have an old colleague of mine that they went to a pet DNA uh, tech company, and and so she cool. does product over there. And I was like, yeah, only millennials, right? Need to need to know the the DNA of, of their pet. I <laughs> think
1: <laughs> so. Um, I th- was it my parents' HOA? I forget whose HOA it was somebody recently told me that part of their HOA, the like welcome package as you pay for at the beginning is a doggy DNA test. Um, And it it wasn't specified why, but we came up with like two reasons why we like thought it could be. And the first one was there are some breeds of dogs that are not allowed in certain residential places. Um, My family growing up actually had a chow who is not allowed in a lot of places. They can be a little bit, um, they're very protective dogs. Um, and so it come maybe across it was aggressive, come across aggressive, you, right? she was the sweetest thing in the entire world. But like she, you got on the wrong side of her and she was really scary for sure. And the second one was to kind of deal with, uh, like if someone's just pooing on the sidewalk and leaving it there, they can DNA test. I want to know
0: <laughs> the HOA Karen that is scooping up <laughs> unaddressed dog poo. And analyzing it for DNA. The yeah. <laughs> like, HOA is the most unchecked organization in America.
1: Uh, w- we need to have you do an episode on, on the
0: HOA. On my, you- <laughs> on HOA humor and HOA oversteps.
1: <laughs> yes, Chris has uh, strong feelings about the HOA, which is. Hysterical to me (laughs) as a younger millennial who has never owned a house has never been part of an HOA has no interest in any of the above
0: that's the problem no one has an interest I want to take it sideways no one has an interest outside of five people and then five people go spend everyone else's money without telling them (laughs) and then give parking tickets (laughs) and letters in your mail for having three weeds in your flower beds
1: (laughs) and apparently apparently are maybe DNA doggy testing your doggy's poo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So uh, millennials, we're like a little obsessed with our pets. Dogs in particular kind of have the millennial spotlight as like things we love. Right. So, and that's just, again, in the zeitgeist, like kind of in uh, what people think about millennials, but how much of that is true? turns out a lot. (laughs) A lot of it is true. So um, about a decade ago, millennials became the age group in the United States with the highest pet ownership rate. So a decade ago. So that would mean millennials were between um, like 16 and 30 at that time, which is kind of wild, like 31 maybe, which is kind of wild. That's still pretty young in life to have a pet.
0: I don't know. I Driving around the where we live, yeah. uh, a lot of towns have all kind of merged into each other. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you cross the street, it's another town. It's not like there's distance or uh, nothingness yeah. in between towns where mm-hmm. we live. And so driving to the gym, to the grocery store, just just out and about doing things, uh, you'll see different communities. And I often, <laughs> often see young people in um, apartments or, uh, adjacent to apartments yeah. out walking a dog. And I wonder if that's more the like staple of becoming an adult for our generation or younger generations than it was in the past. Right.
1: Yep. You're hitting the nail right on the head. It, it is young for responsibility, but that is exactly where people are finding themselves. I also think that our communities probably skew a little younger as far as uptake on life milestones such as getting married starting a family like how many how many people do we know that are my age like 30 and have three kids a lot a lot (laughs) yeah Yeah, i wonder if that's a
0: function of the community we live (laughs) in but i won't say it's far off
1: pretty a pretty conservative religious community Um, yeah yeah that surrounds us interestingly um yeah so that was a decade ago and millennials um, are still the highest number of pet owners it, they make up 32% of all U.S. pet owners, while baby boomers have 27% of the market share of pets. Gen X is 24, um, and Gen Z has 14. They're still really young, though, so that it makes would
0: sense. It would be so interesting to poll millennials to say, you know, what what provoked, like what what was the, the motivation to get a pet? Was it because you moved out of your parental home and the pet stayed (laughs) at at the parental home? Or could you never have a pet and now you have your freedom? You're going to go do what you want.
1: Exactly. No, that (laughs) is really interesting. Um, We don't have any like qualitative data like this, but a lot of people are sharing what their observations are, which in some ways can be extracted as qualitative data. But that is really interesting. Chris, what's your background with pets?
0: Uh, We had cats growing up. Um, none of them were mine by ownership. <laughs> uh my sister enjoyed cats. And so, um but the cats stayed at the parental home. Yeah. Right. I uh, sorry, the yeah. last cat. It wasn't like there was multiple. There was one cat allowed at a time. <laughs> um and so when everyone in my household, uh children wise, grew up and moved out, the, the cat turned into the parental <laughs> yeah. cat and lived lived for years, yeah. years and years. Uh, before it passed away and yeah quite quite interesting uh the my two younger siblings jumped into uh pets way early like probably college or yeah. right after college as soon as they could they they went and got some pets and then I haven't been much of a pet person because of my cat experiences growing <laughs> up.
1: And little did you know, you would end up having to be a pet person, sort of, <laughs> with maybe the crankiest of cats.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Indeed.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, my, I grew up in a family that we seemed to always have pets. I had cats from when I was really young. Um, and then we had the dog that I talked about, just a wonderful dog. And my parents now, like we all left. And we now tease that we have a fifth sibling, Flapjack, my parents' quarantine the, dog, the COVID <laughs> puppy, the COVID puppy. Um, and he is a. He, I spent some time with him today. He is a wild man. He's a he's a doodle mix, a golden golden doodle.
0: I I believe he's golden doodle. He's, he's a doodle and he's not the small like fun size. He's giant. He's either he's large, or like medium large. But he's. <laughs> he's a full-sized
1: dog he's a big dog and he he is just like any covid dog like we we're talking more about covid kids and how they're not used to being socializing so they don't quite get social norms their covid dog is exactly the same way he gets so excited to see people and just jumps all over them and no amount of training can train it out of him and he's he's a sweetheart he's a wild thing though um and I, we do have a cat her name is godiva um, I've, she's seven, she'll be seven this year. I've had her since she was three weeks old. She was just so small. Um, and she's truly after Chris, the second love of my life. Um, we have been through it together and I am just, I am one of those millennials that loves my pet so much and, uh, much of what we're going to talk about, like really applies to me. I feel that way about Godiva. Um, yeah, so hi righty so um millennials have actually been growing um in cat ownership over dog ownership <laughs> like they are growing in percentage of the market of cats owned
0: that makes so much sense to me keep going
1: and it, it increased by four uh four percent while dogs increased only one percentage point during that same time which is kind of wild. Uh, they've also really is significantly increased in bird ownership, going for, it's from thirty-six percent of the market in two thousand eighteen to forty-five in twenty twenty.
0: For birds.
1: For birds, yeah.
0: I wonder if birds just don't take up much space, but do provide like that. There is something else here.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But cats make sense to me. Um, depending, I'm. Everyone has a different lifestyle. A generation doesn't dictate a lifestyle but it seems that for m- many people that uh, think relatively the same as us or, or want uh, relatively same things with our generation, there's a lot of on-the-go. Uh, obviously, the pandemic uh, muted that or altered that or make it like pent up, but cats can be left uh, for yeah. certain short periods of time, very independent, very capable. It seems like it's very symbiotic, for uh, those of us who might be on the go and not always home,
1: that's a super interesting observation. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, for um, a generation that's like kind of working longer, for a generation that is connected with friends and going out, not and,
0: waiting to travel yeah. when retirement hits, yeah. there's just a lot of on the go that can happen within how we operate. As a society and our age group, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And cats are a little bit more amenable to like some alone time. I, I know like with my parents, they have to be home at certain times to make sure the dog goes in and out and gets played with and everything. And like Godiva, and she's fine. She's fine during, by herself during the day. She prefers it. <laughs> yeah. So that is really interesting. Um, okay. Out of millennial pet owners. So anyone who owns a pet that's a millennial, 80% of them have dogs. So it could be dogs and, but 80% of them have at least one dog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So dogs are still the favorite. Um, I've never had a dog. They're good. I think, I think, I think you'd like a dog. I think you'd vibe with a dog.
0: I think the right dog. Yeah. Like open to, uh, Jillian, Jillian <laughs> and I have had discussions about, uh, eventually at some point getting a dog, but I've, I've never been a dog owner ever.
1: I think they are, they are way like they're way more work than Godiva. But I think with, um, some of our lifestyle abilities that we have, like we both work mostly remotely, if not fully remotely, um, a dog kind of makes some sense. Like we could feasibly figure it out. Um, but we do want to have a place with a little bit more room for a dog. Yeah. A little bit backyard, better backyard. Um, Okay, who do you think has out of the millennials who own a dog? Who do you think is more likely to own a dog? Like, what? It, give me their demographics.
0: Ooh, that's. Gosh, I don't want to misspeak here. Okay, you, know, uh, you don't have to. I, I think oftentimes that people find companionship in pets. Yeah. Uh, maybe before they find uh, human companionship, so I could see, uh, it being you know uh. A single person that that's you know a white collar professional, I, I, not even not even their profession. Single. I can see people that uh, are newly married in our generation, no kids. I think it would skew more that way than those with like more of that mid century painting of of America. You know, mom, dad, two kids, white picket fence, dog. Yeah. Type of thing. I think it would be a lot less that.
1: Yeah. No. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you kind of, you kind of went on the right track for a second there. So
0: I I didn't want to single anyone out. (laughs) I I want to be inclusive of everyone here.
1: So the pet ownership rate is highest among those with a college education and a stable income, um, which is exactly the same group that is correlated to those most likely to, to delay marriage, parenthood and home ownership beyond the timelines of previous generations.
0: Wow. Yeah. Sign, sign me up. I, I have all the answers. <laughs>
1: you do have all the answers. Good job. Um, very interesting. There was a couple of very interesting like think pieces around. This one was the Atlantic. Um, it made me cry. And then there was another one on Vice that was like really wonderful. Um, but they they said that and they took this data and um, kind of spun it to say, dogs serve another purpose um they're a class marker and a way of coping with deep status anxiety dogs broadcast stability um they are an indicator that you've mastered enough elements of your own life to introduce some joyful chaos into it and I thought about that and I was like you're right you know like that that feels correct to me in a lot of ways if you've got your shit together well enough to be able to take care of yourself and something else like, wow, watch out world, watch out world. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I thought that was very interesting. Um, and dogs aren't, dogs aren't like a new thing to humans too. So why is the ownership of like dogs increasing, particularly among millennials? Um, I'm
0: always going to go back to the internet uh, it, it's, <laughs> the answer by default is the internet. I believe uh, we have the ability to see more people doing more things more often and potentially finding ourselves aligning to that thought or to their reality more often, uh, more than any other time of life, right? So if if I'm on social media and I see... Like a little lap dog hanging yeah. out of some some gal's like bag. <laughs> someone thinks that's cute. They might latch on to that and be like, "I want that life." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or someone that's out in the park with the dog. I mean, how many dogs? Jillian and I love being outside uh, as much as we can, and so we're we're often outside. Utah's a beautiful place to be outside. If if, if everyone has come or hasn't come, mm-hmm. please once in your life come find. Uh, a section or all the sections of of Utah to come visit because it's, it's quite lovely and quite beautiful. But oftentimes it's a lot of people out with their, with their dogs out in nature, out walking around and you kind of have that glimpse of I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) That could be me. And I wonder how much that is, how much that happens where like you see someone else's reality and you latch onto that.
1: I think that happens more than, than we give it credit for. Like, Without that constant visual, do you think it would be a thought in your mind that you want a dog? Is that something like intrinsically deep inside of you?
0: No, there's no longing yeah. for for pets in my life. But when we walked by, Jillian and I were out uh, walking uh, the other night. There's a beautiful path that we enjoy walking out uh, next to our neighborhood, and there was this this gentleman strolling by with these <laughs> shadow. It was it was twilighty time. <sighs> Big, shadowy kind of dogs and they had uh illuminated collars yeah, on. Remember they had that? Like
1: little glow stick collars yeah, on. Yeah, they had these glow
0: stick collars on, and they were these enormous, well behaved huskies. And in that moment I was like, I would love that. <laughs> and then right after that moment is I don't think I could handle a husky in my life.
1: <laughs> huskies are beautiful. We there was a neighbor that had a husky that yeah. Huskies need a lot of attention and it's hot here in Utah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. But I like, I, I catch myself, uh, sometimes being like, I think that looks fun.
1: Yeah. 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 And there's something to be said about something like loving you unconditionally, which you can especially get with a dog, which is kind of a nice feeling.
0: Yeah. I think, I think dogs, uh, give maybe a little bit more of a, a human output, uh, between human dog relationship than maybe any other animal for sure. Yeah. Just by observation, again, haven't owned one.
1: Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Birds could be super affectionate. Bunnies look dope as hell. I don't know. Hedgehogs.
0: I don't know. I have a hard time (laughs) wanting to clean up after an animal.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: And the smaller they get, the more dependent they are on you (laughs) cleaning up after them.
1: (laughs) That's true. Uh, That is very true. Yeah. But, very interesting, um, so even though dogs aren't like new to the human species as companions, as helpers, as like as like work implements, I don't know how else to say that.
0: Was it the last maybe 30 40 years probably has switched dogs' outputs to just be a residential like companion more than a working like yeah, there are still working dogs sheep sure. dogs what was that three that was right before the pandemic. Yeah, sheep dogs were the thing, and then it was doodles -doodles. too, right? But it was the Aussie the Aussie sheep dog that everyone had or or wanted or whatever. Those things, yeah, the the shepherds. Those things are were bred to run around to make sure that like sheep went a certain direction, right? They they had purpose, and and not saying they don't have purpose now, but it's really interesting to watch all of these. Dogs, or when we do research, we're like, oh, what kind of dog do we want? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. oh, that's a pretty one. It's like, that one was actually built to go sit on a boat and to help fishermen and all this <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I just thought he was kind of pretty.
1: <laughs> I just thought he was cutie. <laughs> uh, no, for sure. There are definitely some dogs that need a purpose more than others. Yeah. Um, My favorite little Australian shepherd story is I had a, a friend years and years and years and years ago that had two, I think they were even like mini Aussies, they were just little guys. Um, but they were so, they had so much energy in them and he would just get on his skateboard and hold their leashes and just like let them run <laughs> and he, they would just pull him on his skateboard and they loved it. And he loved it because it got some of their energy out and they didn't feel like he had a little kid at the time and they were very into protecting the little kids. So yeah. helped work out some of, some of their over the top behavior in, in their job. Um, but yeah, dogs are great dogs are wonderful (laughs) yeah so doggies um and this is okay this is something that again like this next fact points deeply into my own life 89% of dog owners and 85% of cat owners agreed that they kept their pets in mind when choosing where to live Millennials also prioritized living in a pet-friendly city over living near any friends or family and having a yard for their pets over a home with a newly renovated kitchen. Isn't that interesting? Like our priorities have kind of shifted a little bit.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think the the advent of the the dog park too, oh. right? Or, or the, the pet destination. I, I don't know if there's any other parks that aren't dog in, in nature, but I think a Imagine lot of people are like, park. I need to be somewhat close to to a park yeah. or somewhere that, that my dog can go out and depending on the rules of that park be on a leash, not on a leash, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's like, just think about how maybe, I don't know, 10 more minutes up the road there was maybe a more economical decision or, mm. or a better living situation for the human, but it's like, no, I, I have responsibility for this thing. I need to make sure I'm close <laughs> yes. to the things that also take care of it.
1: Yes. And as um, a generation that's owning our houses less, and if we are older too, we're a lot more, um, like we have to be a lot more aware of landlord regulations and... Um,
0: or or the cost of pet rent.
1: Yeah, pet rent. It's uh, it's on average $100 a month, which is, so you're spending an extra $1,200 a year on simply housing a pet, you usually have to pay a pet deposit too at the beginning and you're not going to get any Never going to get that back. Yeah, on ever. top of everything else. So you really do, like it is a huge consideration when you're looking for a place. Um, the ASPCA, ASPCA said that um, people moving to places where pets weren't allowed is the number one reason. Pets are dropped off in the shelter. So I don't know, just my own little plug, like, Pets are family, take care of them, do everything you can to make sure that, like, they have a loving place to go. And, um, yeah, but that
0: that just jogged my memory of, like, the first year of the pandemic. I've worked with more than a number of people that lived, uh, all over San Francisco at the company I was working with. And countless, countless people went and got a puppy. And there's what, more than likely is considered small San Francisco apartment and had to rethink how they lived their life with this new addition. And a lot of them moved. I, I think a lot of them moved because rent, uh, became probably the cheapest that it had been in San Francisco in that, that first year period of time. So when they re up leases, that that was a consideration, but yeah. some of them were like, I just had to get out here cause it wasn't big enough for the both of us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. It really is. Okay, so you mentioned dog parts. Um, Did you know there's actually a ranking of pet-friendliest places to live by state? And it's based on number of dog parks and also um, accessibility to high-quality pet care.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. I would think that that should be somewhat flat across most places in America. I'm very uh, misunderstood there.
1: (laughs) Um, Do you have any guesses on what the pet-friendliest state is? Or the p- pet least friendly state is?
0: I actually have no clue because my head goes two different directions. I think pet friendly states could be uh, those kind of states that are uh, wide open. Yeah, and so I think of like a Montana or a Wyoming or something like that where it's just like cool. There's there's really nothing <laughs> confining here. But then I then my head goes to, oh, California where maybe there's, there's more, more vets and more stress around, you know, actual like longevity and health of, of an animal that, that that's your companion. So long way to say, I have no clue.
1: (laughs) Okay. So you were, you, interestingly, you said Montana and Wyoming, those are number three and five. For okay, the best so it was days. that
0: thought train. It was
1: that thought train, yeah. So Maine, Vermont, Montana, Oregon, Wyoming are the top five.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: California is actually number twenty-four, tied with Texas. And do you know where Utah sits? No. It, Thirty-one out of thirty-four. So not great.
0: <laughs> normal.
1: But it, it's yeah. It only goes up to thirty-four because there were so many ties. So oh, okay. Yeah. That so makes sense. bottom bottom end of it. And huh. New York is the least pet friendly place, which oh, really isn't. So my a head super went to
0: ne- Yeah, my head went there, so I think depending if you're on the in the boroughs, it it, it gets a little tight. Yeah, maybe a little confining. Yeah, yeah. Um so pets have to wait, I guess.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. Um also Hawaii and Alaska were excluded from that, so we don't know.
0: Unfortunate.
1: I don't know, I don't know how they're doing with their pets. Alrighty, so you said something very interesting earlier about millennials and kids and pets and how their pets are almost like taking over kids as a family member. Um, also a stereotype that is true. Um, so the, a study done in 2020 found that 44% of millennials see their pets as practice for babies. Um, but also given the fact that this generation is getting married and having kids later in life than previous generations, they actually end up being an alternative to children.
0: You beat me to the word practice and it was the better word than I had in my head. Yeah. And it's so true. It's like, I'm going (laughs) to see. I don't know what it is with our generation um, that's probably not unsubstantiated whatsoever, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of anxiety that goes in there. Uh, I don't know if it's the... The effect of there's been multiple economic crashes in our in our lifetime. Uh, there's been pandemics. There's There's been wars. There, there's a lot of outside events and stimulus there to probably provide some anxiety yeah. <laughs> across all of us. Yeah. But it's like so interesting to hear. It's like, yeah, we're going to try this or I was going to try this before. It's always the pet is the half step to almost any other more substantial life decision.
1: Interesting. And I it, they're finding now that it's actually the full step. 58% of millennials say they prefer having pets over human children. Um, and that's especially true for cat owners. That percentage for cat owners jumps to 63%. And as part of the 63% <laughs> that does not want a kid, but absolutely adores my cat and would love any pets. Like I, I feel that very strongly. Um, and... In that Vice article, they actually had a little bit of discussion about it. If you will indulge me, I'm going to read it. Um, they said, this, this statistic sounds like a city-centric observation, but none of my friends in their late 20s and early 30s talk openly about hopes of having a baby. Rather, we flinch when we see a kid walking around out in public on its hind legs. It's a fluffy friend we want, one that will love us, not drain our minimum finances, and not get in the way too much. Um, and then talking about her dog, she said, she costs nothing sleeps through the night and our single friends still want to hang out with us. For someone single, sociable, career-minded and renting who can't imagine their life five years ahead, let alone owning a house and having a baby, it's an achievable dream. I thought that was very interesting and just really paints the world that we as millennials kind of live in.
0: Um, Yeah, not everyone, but I, I would say that skews very much into what I would assume is the majority.
1: Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's kind of... The middle of the millennial spectrum, kind of where I sit, yeah, more than where you said, where people tend to be a little bit more Gen Xer with their some of their values. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, kind of as you get down lower, there the people are more.
0: It definitely shifts between you and I, yeah, and at least from conversations through through our lenses and experiences of uh, being an older millennial, you still catch some of the influence of the generation before. And then you have the years that are between both of us that there was a shift, there was a change. I don't Mm -hmm. don't know what the, I don't know if expectations moved or if it truly was. Things got more expensive, things got faster, things got more hectic in in that span of time. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I almost wonder if it has something to do with like When you graduated college, right? So you graduated in 2007?
0: I did. Right? Mm -hmm. So
1: right before there was uh, an economic downturn.
0: Yes, yes, (laughs) to to, to my detriment. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So three months later, uh, that's when Lehman Brothers was the first one to say, oh, we don't have any more money. And then Wachovia was gone. Yeah. And uh, Bank of America was in trouble. And that was just the, the financial institutions, let alone everything that was linked to it and tied to it.
1: Yeah. At this point, you were 25. You already had kind of a, a life path that you were expected to go on in front of you. And us that are younger, I graduated college in 2015. And for me, that w- it was never a guarantee. It was never something I thought I could have. I knew like, the state of the world had been adjusted to a way that... I saw people graduating college and never getting, and like not getting a job, so
0: right, or going into the gig economy, yeah, or yeah. or going into work that uh, by tradition they were overqualified for in that moment, right?
1: Yeah, oh, and I saw a lot of people not going to college and really succeeding, and I saw it was just a whole other spectrum of of everything. That's so what
0: I said, in in that period yeah. of time between <laughs> you and I graduating, enormous shifts.
1: Yeah, enormous shifts. And so well, you were kind of on the, the kids' house two and a half Go that way, family right? things. Yeah. <laughs> for me, the world seemed a little less linear and promised. Um and maybe that has to do with with our different like Ooh. I like how you
0: I like how you said that it was like linear and promised. I actually see it a bit differently. Ooh, tell me. Um it wasn't a path to navigate. It was just like a path to walk, right? And mm-hmm. so while it looked linear in nature to the observer. It's like I mean, you go put the two thousand eight financial crash in front of a lot of people. Yeah. I I just tried to like push through it rather than like take a step, Mm -hmm. take a look at the lay of the land, how I best navigate that. And I think maybe that 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 thought or that muscle of we've been navigating Mm -hmm. up to this point in our life is maybe what changed rather than like, nope this is the path. I know this is what, yeah. the, this is the outcome somewhere down that path. And I'm just going to keep walking it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it feels like, I don't, I don't know as a, as someone who's never owned a house, as someone who like really hasn't, I guess. Yeah. I guess I've made some of the milestones and haven't. And some of the others have felt ready for zero of them all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, that is interesting. And I hope we, keep deep diving this more as we have these conversations. Cause there is a gap between us and our experiences and how we like view things. I think that was very clear in hustle culture last week and
0: yeah, very much. So yeah. I think that's the, the, the <laughs> influence of this is the way that, that maybe the front of our generation, the dovetails of, of previous generations still kind of yeah. has to hold on to because we are just the audience to it. Right.
1: Yeah. It is very interesting. Um, yeah if if you feel like your next step in taking care of someone is a pet rather than a baby if that's just more appealing to you, yeah like part of I' not I'm not a super kid person to begin with, but part of what's always deterred me is the cost. I don't necessarily want to spend my money on someone else. I, I, I know that sounds selfish, but it's it's real talk. I have a hard time with that. And so to instead devote that love and have it assuredly come back to me um, through a pet is, has been a wonderful thing, right? It feels like a very even exchange. I take care of her. She takes care of me. She has slept at the bottom of my bed for years. She's been with me through my darkest times and my happiest moments, and it feels like it's just a very nice thing. And, and without the feeling of loss of control, without the financial detriment that sometimes kids can have, without having to worry about like the little day-to-day things about like is she learning her ABCs well enough like she's a cat I, as long I just as she can't learns get her, her to eat their vegetables yeah. right yeah
0: Yeah, please remember where your litter box is <laughs> yeah, um, yeah k- kids are exponentially more exp- and I think what is appealing to anyone that wants to be a pet owner I would yeah. say it's millennialism is you get to experience a full life Mm. of a pet. Yeah. Um, Which is really sad sometimes. Assuming that they, they don't have a early end to their life where a a child, um, more often than not, you won't get the full experience, right? You, you get the, you get some of the really, really hard years of that, like fully, fully dependent person for years and years and years where, where a pet, not as much, right? Yeah. That that that's a that's a small phase. Maybe a year. I don't I don't know. I haven't been like too connected with any of the pets I've had in my life. <laughs> um, but I think if like people pushing through the puppy year mm-hmm. or the puppy time yeah. or the little kitten time or whatever the animal is, it's a very short period of time compared to the human timeline, right? Yeah. And so I wonder if that's just more appealing.
1: I think so because you you are devoting a lot of exactly that time to something you lose a lot of your freedom when you're choosing to have a human baby over a fur baby and like yeah puppies can be just as demanding my mom was always like you kids were so much easier than a puppy um but like you said it, it's a short amount of time and, and there is more media payback like payoff for the time put in yeah that's so like it- an adulthood of more Yeah,
0: you're prompting a lot of, like, thoughts. (laughs) I've never considered some of the spectrum of these thoughts before. This is quite interesting.
1: (laughs) It is a wild pets. Pets, man. Um, Okay, and I have one last round of statistics for you. And this is actually what I found first. And it made me laugh so hard. Um, Okay. The vast majority, 81% of millennials with pets admitted to loving their pets more than at least one family member. And that doesn't mean a weird uncle or an estranged cousin. The survey showed that it was actually most often their own siblings. 57% loved their pets more than their brother or sister, and 50% claimed to love their pets more than their own mother, romantic partners, uh, came second to pets 30% of the time.
0: <laughs> if pets could talk, those stats would change drastically.
1: I don't know. I think some pets are just like all just love, like Flapjack.
0: In just 30, love? In 30 years of your life. Yeah. A human over an animal has offended you or crossed you or said something that just didn't sit well, where an animal, it's like, come on, man, the letterbox is just right here.
1: I right? would take the animal almost 100 percent there's so
0: much in my opinion there's so much less uh negative outcomes to like a pet relationship yeah. than a human relationship <laughs> even the easiest human relationships they're they're
1: complex yeah they complex
0: uh they're, there's a lot to it and, yeah. they're, and they're again as easy as they are they're delicate right
1: yeah. they're like not a, as transactional as I give you food you give me your undivided love
0: exactly yeah. so I can I can see those stats just They're almost too easy, right?
1: (laughs) I don't know. They're kind of like a safe place to fall back to. Like if you feel like you're struggling in other parts of your life, like, you know, you know, your dog's always going to be there for you.
0: Instead of unsolicited advice on the other side of a phone.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So that made me laugh. Just kind of wrapped it all up into, yes, as millennials we love our pets, particularly our dogs. We are replacing our kids to some extent or have the desire to replace kids with pets. Um, even if we're still growing up and kind of not into those decision-making years quite yet, uh, the oldest millennials are now like 41 ish and the youngest are 26. So just entering kind of that mid adulthood um, stage.
0: It's really interesting to see the pattern happen with, uh, empty nesting boomers too. Yeah. Where there's no one around. Um, I've seen it more often than not that someone goes and gets a pet just to fill the void of the empty nest of of that home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like, it's someone to take care of As, as someone, uh, I guess I don't, it's not a love language. I really like taking care of people. (laughs) It's very fulfilling to me. He's an excellent taking care (laughs) of. And so if there's there's no one or nothing to take care of, I could see how just getting an animal uh, to to fill that void if you've been so practiced at doing it for decades for for potentially children or someone else, right?
1: Even think about like during the pandemic, you mentioned at the beginning, how much um, like pandemic adoptions were up and like think about it at at the beginning, I was alone for a few weeks um, before we kind of merged our quarantine bubble. Um, and so it was just me, me and a cat and we were,
0: you, a cat, Netflix and a bottle of
1: wine every day. (laughs) (laughs) It was rough times. Um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know how my mental, it was hard. It was hard anyway, but I don't know how my mental state would have fared without like another living critter in the house with me, just kind of like some life being injected into there. It was very lonely. Interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. I think it depends on your personality for sure too. Like I definitely see that within you, but (laughs) I, I know some people that are just like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, just thriving in, in the the solitude.
1: Mm -hmm. And that absolutely like that is the case. That is so the case. Um, people live on a whole spectrum of, of life and (laughs) feelings and emotions and abilities and, and how, and reactions to things. Um, yeah, but it, it is interesting that pet, like, I remember my sister was going to foster a dog, and there was just like no dogs even left at the shelter. Like, everyone was adopting dogs, everyone was fostering them. Very interesting, kind of, what the pandemic did as far as our behaviors around some things. Um, you were right, about half of dogs uh, that were adopted in 2020 lived with a different home in 2021. So, there was a lot of switcherooing going on there.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting to watch. Um, Obviously, we're more adept at maybe uh, the observations of Americans as Americans in America, but uh, developed like Southeast Asia, probably ahead of us quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The the birth rate is, I want to say negative in some parts of Southeast Asia now. And uh, a lot of that's a function of very expensive mm-hmm. living in the uh major areas that you can have you know an economic boon yeah. uh to live in across Japan, Korea, uh, Hong Kong, I, I might be missing in uh, Singapore, a couple more like that. And I think um Squid Games, thank you for helping <laughs> me uh get introduced to that. It was quite interesting to watch just the the economic struggles that that exist there feel like they're like a decade or two just a hair ahead of what the American path is currently like trending towards to where it's like, wow, a lot of what made our culture, our culture has been choked by, uh, inflation, high cost of living, um, what we need to do to survive in, in that ever rising cost Mm -hmm. of our society working more, uh, working jobs that would provide that to oftentimes come with more hours and mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah, it's, it, it kind of suffocates what maybe the the past culture was of, of family yeah. of human family. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think like now I, I, in my, one of the articles I was reading, I was reading about um, this 24 year old. I think her name was Kate and she ran a doggy daycare, and they interviewed her for this. And they were like who, like, who are your clients? Who are they? And she said most of the clients were like successful people in their 20s and early 30s. And um, it was a, a mix of like both cisgender and heterosexual people, and um, LGBTQ singles and couples. And she said that in her observations, like for queer couples, the dogs are literally their children. Um, And she said very, 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 very few of her millennial clients have children. So I think too, as like, thank everything that that, um, in the United States, there is so much more acceptance, at least there has been, hopefully we don't go backwards, um, into like LGBTQ people being able to live their full, get married, like live together. There's so many less consequences for that. Um, and it it is a beautiful thing to see like, oh, dogs, real babies, like everything. I think as we're opening up the bigger spectrum of life into what's possible, um, we are going to see exactly that, the expansion of human families into what do you want your family to be? It's, it's your choice. You're not forced to live in a book, like a box anymore. A book
0: anymore. And I think a lot of that, you know, I'd. Until this podcast is over, I'll just keep saying <laughs> the, the internet, the internet, the internet, right? Yeah. It's like you can see more of that. Even if it isn't your community, mm-hmm. you can still go consume that and understand that and know that that is a choice. And you can work towards yeah. those outcomes and those choices. Um, maybe in the community that you live, if you don't have the ability or want to leave, or mm. if you uh, do have the ability to be mobile, you you can go find that community um, that you've, and be a part of them physically, let alone just digitally, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I wish uh, being a little bit older, I I wish I had the internet so a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the internet in its more robust state. Uh, I know that more robust state has good and bad. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was a little bit more out there uh, to consume because it definitely more information definitely creates more structured thoughts and more, uh, potentially different outcomes. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I love it.
0: End of the day. You want a pet, go get a pet. You don't want a pet. Don't get a pet. You want a kid, have a a, kid, make the, make the conscious decision. Have a kid. If you don't, don't do it. Gigi and I are very, very accepting of, of, of that outcome as a normal, as a normal for everyone. Right. I don't want to stay on my soapbox, but it's just like normal it changes. It changes, right? Yeah. Years change outcomes. And so we have to start accepting all the outcomes that have, uh, provided our society and the, the outside pressures or anything that have led us to where we are at this moment and just being accepting of all of those, uh, outcomes for all the people around us.
1: Yeah. No, exactly that. Friend your happiness go yeah. back to it as find much as find your happiness you possible. leave a breadcrumb. trail because yeah. you need
0: to get back there as much and yeah. as much and as fast as you can
1: and build your families however you want to build who you surround yourself however you want to yeah. it's all
0: absolutely all so Jeej yeah for all those who who stayed towards the end <laughs> what dog are we getting
1: <gasps> okay well, it's definitely going to be a shelter dog so we'll see what they have <laughs> Fair. But, Fair. yeah <laughs> Yeah, but hopefully just something sweet that can go and runs with Needs me. a home. Yeah, yeah, needs some loving. Absolutely. Oh, thanks, Chris. This was a great discussion.
0: I love this one. <laughs> and again, never in a million guesses would I've been able to land on Millennial Pets. Millennial Pets. What is the odd... All right, bonus uh, information here. <laughs> what is the oddest pet? you've ever seen in anyone's home?
1: Um, so my friend Gabby, hello Gabby if you're listening, Gabby and Derek had a hedgehog for a minute named Grumpy the Hedgehog and he truly was Grumpy and was a hedgehog. Um, I'm not going to say he was like the most entertaining pet but he was a pet all right. <laughs> so I think that's the strangest pet I've seen. How about you?
0: Um, My buddy Matt uh, in high school had a bearded dragon.
1: That's so cool. And
0: it just smelled. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a problem with smells, but uh, like in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, Yeah. lizard. That's a pet. But one time in my, uh, non, non post, uh, how do I say this correctly? Uh, before I graduated college and just whatever jobs that you kind of get, uh, I've worked for a home services company and I went into this one guy's house and he had replaced essentially almost his entire wall with a fish tank.
1: That's so cool.
0: And it wasn't just like, uh, goldfish, this, that, and the other. It was fish from the Amazon.
1: That's wild. I,
0: I wish I could remember the name of the fish, but they're the ones that like, when the Amazon floods and like gets up to the, maybe more of the branch line of yeah. the trees, they kind of sit under there and wait for some animal that's unsuspecting that's sitting on a branch. They'll jump out of the water and grab them. So they they have like
1: serious, they're like carnivorous.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. wild. And so there, there's uh there's video you can go see on the internet or or one of the the nature channels of these uh, fish. They look kind of like eels. Um, they coil up Ugh. and you see them like jump up grab a monkey and bring him down in the water. It's crazy. It's nuts. That's probably the oddest, I guess, uh, animal I've ever seen in a residential pet capacity. Yes.
1: Um, shout out to Spencer Pratt from the Hills who was actually the hero the whole time. If you're not on Hills talk, I suggest you get on Hills talk specifically his, but he had a jellyfish tank for like a hot minute. And I always thought that was the coolest.
0: Was it? it was it too hot of a minute. Did they not last?
1: Um, I think, I think there was a thing where he couldn't have it anymore. It was during, he was like spray painting the walls in the apartment. It was, it was a whole time during the Hills, but I don't think the jellyfish tank lasted very long. Could be wrong. Fact check me on that. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought a jellyfish tank would, I, you know, I love jellies. Um,
0: very cool. Wonderful. Um, We'd love to hear from anyone that's that's listening. Like, what? Send us
1: your pets. Yeah, send us pictures of your
0: pets so we can live <laughs> Tell vicariously us through about you. All about them. <laughs> yeah, where can where can people uh, engage with us on this episode? You
1: can find us on Mind the Millennial Gap at Instagram, Mind the Millennial Gap Pod on TikTok. We changed the name recently. Oh, okay, cool. Yep, and then Mind the Millennial Gap at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> Millennial. Yeah,
0: we're we're so grateful for all of those who are listening. Uh we we hope that you enjoy what we're doing here. Uh we are open to suggestions. We do we would love to engage on topics that might be meaningful to any of those who listen to us. So uh drop us your pets or drop us your topic suggestions or even if we just want to do a QA session, if you wanna understand a little bit more of uh, who Jillian and myself are. Or if you just want to sit there and be like, hey, here's a question. How would you answer this?
1: (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) We're open
0: to just about anything. We're not sponsored. We're not affiliated. No. We can do what we want and it's great.
1: We can do what we want.
0: (laughs) All right. How are we going to leave them, Jeej?
1: Oh, all right, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your pets. Take care of your families. Love each other. Treat each other good.
0: All right. Bye. Bye.